How much time should Scott Satterfield be given before heavy criticism is warranted? The answer to that question comes from another question, which should help determine how much time he should get. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Happy first day of March, best month of the year. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. It's free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. My name is Alex Frank, your host. Each and every day right here on Lockdown Bearcats, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. So the answer to how much time Scott Satterfield should be given is, in my opinion at least, long enough for him to establish his his foothold on the program, but short enough to be held accountable. There's not going to be as long of a honeymoon phase as there was when Luke Fickle took over because the situation Luke Fickle inherited was way worse than what Scott Satterfield is inheriting. Or is it? I'm at a UC alumni event uh, up here in Columbus last night, and someone said something interesting. He said, and this is the first person who has disagreed with me and where I stand on Satterfield and the situation he's inheriting. He said, the fact that the Bearcats are going into the Big 12, it's going to be harder for them to break through and have that breakthrough season like the Bearcats did under Luke Fickle in 2018. And that made sense to me. Because the Bearcats aren't playing anymore in the American Athletic Conference, where they are head and shoulders above the rest of a conference. They're now just another team in a Power 5 conference. That's a way I hadn't looked at it, but it makes sense to me. The Bearcats broke through in 2018 with a 10-2 record. But even with UCF dominating the conference with back-to-back undefeated regular seasons, they were still dominating the conference. And UC still had an opportunity to break through because there weren't really many other good teams. Yeah, Memphis was good. Yeah, Temple was okay. But if you had that breakthrough season, not only were you going to have it, but you were going to sustain yourself for years to come. That's what the Bearcats did because they played a majority of their games in conference and in a conference that, let's be honest, wasn't very good, and it's still not very good. And the Bearcats rose to head and shoulders above it. The conference that the Bearcats are going into, it's not a, it, it is not going to be an easy conference. They're not going to be able to waltz in there and go 9-3. and three. They're not going to be able to waltz in there and do whatever it is they want to do. Now, how long or how much time you give Scott Satterfield it depends on how you view 
the state of the program. Ask yourself this question. And I asked it earlier this offseason. Are the Bearcats reloading or are they rebuilding? And if they are in a rebuild, how big of a rebuild is it? I believe that this season is not like last year where the program was reloading. This program right now is in a rebuild. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. With the roster turnover and the largely new coaching staff, this program is in a rebuild. This program is in a rebuild. They are not going to be where they were last year, which is in the top 25 for most of the season. They're certainly not where they're going. They're certainly not going to be where they were two years ago, which is in the top five and top four ultimately. So based on that premise and the rebuild, Satterfield should be given a longer leash than maybe you're willing to give because you have expectations and you are absolutely fair to have them. But you're also being unfair if you're going to hold Scott Satterfield to the standards that Luke Fickle reached. You're being unfair if you expect the Bearcats to be, to go 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. I'll touch on that in segment two. There is another hand, though that this is not a rebuild as big as it was when Fickle was here in 2017. There is a stronger foundation in place. There is a recent history of high success for this Bearcats program, and there's better resources. That does create a level of expectation in a sense of Satterfield better keep this program afloat. And we talked about this last week. Russ and I talked about this last week. By the way, uh, there will not be a live room today at 1230. There will not be a live room today at 1230. We may have one later this week. Not sure yet. So, again, if you're planning to join us during your lunch hour at 1230, um, we sincerely apologize, but we will not have a live room today. Hoping to have one later this week or for sure next week. But we talked about this last week. Some things that happened at Louisville under Scott Satterfield were not in his control. covid Recruits not being accepted, some issues with the athletic department. Those things Satterfield could not control. What he did in Louisville is up to you to decide how you want, how you think he will fare at Cincinnati. So, again, this program is in a rebuild, but at the same time, there are much better resources in play than what was here in 2017 when Luke Fickle took over. And again, I was talking to someone last night at this UC alumni event, and I asked them what they think about Satterfield. Someone told me this. Someone told me he is a, quote, weak but safe, quote, hire. Weak but safe. Interesting way to put it. I understand. And then someone said, it's a tougher situation than what Luke Fickle inherited. I don't completely agree with that, but I don't completely disagree with that. Time will tell what's right here. Coming up, what should your expectations realistically be heading into 2023? I'll get into that after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download 
the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain plus. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss that chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Alex Frank back with you here on Locked On Bearcats. So, the fact that Cincinnati is going to the Big 12 is great. But your expectations, I'm going to be honest, should be minimal. And the consensus of the people I was with last night, we all said, okay, bowl game. That's all we care about. And and you should. For a program that has made 13 bowl games in in the last 16 years, you absolutely should care about making a bowl game. Bar none. But that's it. Last week, I did a best-case, worst-case scenario for Cincinnati Bearcats football. And one thing I said was, best case, you're ahead of schedule and you're playing meaningful football games in the month of November. And by meaningful, I mean still have a shot to go to the Big 12 championship, which I'm going to be honest, you got a dream to get there. Maybe the Bearcats will. I'll be happy if they go. I don't mind a trip to Dallas in December. I'll go on a barbecue road trip. And I was talking to somebody last night about, you know, doing a Chicago, Memphis, KC, and Texas barbecue road trip. I mean, that'd be pretty fun. Maybe the Bearcats playing in the conference championship would be a part of that. But you think about Cincinnati and how hard it's going to be to break through the Power 5 level. I am really interested in seeing how long it takes the other three programs joining the Big 12, UCF, Houston, and BYU, to see how long it takes them. UCF is on solid footing going into the Big 12. They just played for a conference championship. They got their head coach in place. They're going to be replacing some key players on their roster this year. Houston, don't really know what they're going to look like this year, but Dana Holgerson is there, so they have a veteran coach. BYU coming over from being independent. It'll be interesting to see how they make the transition to playing conference games, but their hard schedules over the years are their harder schedules should benefit them. It's going to be hard to break through, though, because you're playing at the Power 5 level. You've been recruiting at a Power 5 level for so long, but now you're going to be playing conference games at the Power 5 level. I'm really interested in seeing what recruitment looks like down the road. Do Does it dip a little bit with the new head coach and players still realizing that they can go to Ohio State or they can go to Michigan. But the thing about Cincinnati is, and we've seen this over the years, is that you can now come here, play at a, play at a elite level, and have the opportunity to go to the NFL. You can have that. 
at the University of Cincinnati. And here's the thing. The Bearcats had 10 and 2 in 2018 had broken through. But they were still a long way. But they still had not played for a conference championship. Nor had they, nor were they even close to playing for the college football playoff. And at that time, Bearcats who were drafted typically were drafted in the later rounds. It was a celebration when Josiah DeGuara was drafted in the third round. Now we're celebrating first round draft picks in Sauce Gardner. And second round draft picks in Alec Pierce. Third rounders in Desmond Ritter. By the way, the Falcons releasing Marcus Mariota. Does that mean Desmond Ritter is the surefire starter next year? That could be interesting. In a wide open division. A former Bearcats quarterback potentially leading his team to the NFL playoffs. Keep an eye on that in 2023. By the way, if the Falcons win their division and the Bengals win the AFC North this coming season, Bengals-Falcons in Atlanta 2024. It'll be fun. Anyway, your expectations should be that the Bearcats just make a bowl game. That's it. Be bowl eligible. That's what we were talking about last night. Be playing in December. Don't sit out bowl season. It's become the norm that the Bearcats go into a bowl game. And I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be beyond this year a significant accomplishment. I want that to be a significant accomplishment this year. And I think it will be. Some of you may not, some of you may not feel that way. And if you do feel that way, you're honestly being a little selfish and a little spoiled. I get it. You're used to the success that this program has had the last five years. I am too. I got spoiled by it. Conference championship Saturday, I was spoiled watching, not watching Cincinnati, watching UCF and Tulane as great of a game as it was. I was spoiled when I was watching Tulane upset USC in the Cotton Bowl. It does sting. But you know what? This year, it's not about playing for a championship. And again, best case scenario, you you are playing meaningful games in November. But realistically, the Bearcats making the bowl game is all that matters. It's accomplishing at least a 500 season, maybe a winning season, and showing that Satterfield was a good hire. By John Cunningham, weak but safe. I, I asked someone last night about Deion Sanders, and if and if, the, and if and if they thought the Bearcats should have gone after him. Deion Sanders would have made the program attractive. Actually, I think he said it would detract from the program. Deion's personality may have been too big, but I but I said hey. Why not have a personality like Dion coaching your team? How's he going to fare in Colorado? I don't know. But your expectations need to be realistic. Because of the roster turnover, the new coaching staff, your first Big 12 schedule, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of different nuances and elements to Cincinnati Bearcats football this year, and that's fine. I mean, I love not seeing USF and Tulane on the schedule in East Carolina. 
I love seeing Oklahoma, BYU, and Iowa State and those teams. It's a new era. It's exciting. You know what the Bearcats have done. But you also have to think about where the program is right now. And right now, it's not where it was two years ago. It's not even where it was last year. It's a rebuilding program. And because of that, your expectations need to be tampered, and you should be thankful if they just make a bowl game. Coming up, my schedule predictions 2.0. Get into that after we hear from two of our sponsors. I did this one month ago, I think one month ago today, my schedule predictions 2.0 or 1.0 had the Bearcats going 8 and 4. I'll do it again tonight. The Bearcats 2023 football schedule, first Big 12 conference schedule. What I think will happen in each game and how that will amount to the Bearcats' total record this season. So here we go off the top. The Bearcats opening play against EKU Eastern Kentucky on Saturday, September 2nd. The Bearcats will whitewash EKU 52-10. to Then they go to Pitt. Big early test for Satterfield. And the Bearcats, I'll say they dropped that game 34-27. The battle for the victory bell making the return to Nippert Stadium. Uh, if Miami struggle when the Bearcats were in the American, they'll certainly struggle with the Bearcats in the Big 12. I'll say they win that game 34-14. Versus Oklahoma. More I think about it, I think it's I think it's going to be a rude awakening for Cincinnati in the Big 12. And I'll say Oklahoma wins 38-24. to At BYU again. Short week traveling out to Provo, Utah. Don't love it. BYU wins 34-21. After a bye, Bearcats are home to Iowa State. They win that game, I, I do believe, 35-20. Versus Baylor. I say they win that game 31-17. Then they go on the road to Oklahoma State. Stillwater, never an easy place to play. I'll say they drop that game 37-27. to Home against Central Florida. This is a marquee game. You can find a way to win this game, get revenge from last year. That could set the stage for a potential late-season surge, but I think the Bearcats drop this one 38-31. At Houston, they win that game 30-20. At West Virginia, rivalry game. Right now, I have the Bearcats at 5-5. Five and five. Could be a lot on the line in this game. I say the Bearcats get it done at the Mountaineers 24-21. to And then home against Kansas. Kansas had a solid year last year. Excuse me. I say that the Bearcats don't get it done 34 to 20. So seven and five and five and four in big 12 play. So not bad. Realistic. More wins than losses, both in the win column overall and in the big 12. And that'll set yourself up nicely, yourself up nicely for year two. On tomorrow's show, Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU going to join me for her thoughts on first year on last year's LSU Tigers first year head football coach Brian Kelly, of course, former Bearcats head coach. And if that is an indicator that you can't have success under a first year head coach, and potentially if that could happen at Cincinnati with Scott Satterfield, we'll get into Caroline's thoughts on that tomorrow Friday. The takeaways from Scott Satterfield's presser. Thursday tomorrow, which I will be at, looking forward. Uh, and then Monday, a preview 
of spring practice. So we'll look at that. Top storylines, players to watch, all coming up on Monday. Hey, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball Experts, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Lockdown College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever. You get your podcast. Big night um, tournament action ahead. Conference tournament play the first round of the Hercules Tires Big South Championship. Charleston Southern and High Point will go at it. That will continue tonight with the Northeast Conference Tournament quarterfinals. Long Island University against Merrimack. Long Island University had a rough season. 3-25, 1-15 conference record. Also, St. Francis Brooklyn and Fairleigh Dickinson will do battle. Central Connecticut, St. Francis, Pennsylvania, also, and Wagner and Sacred Heart. More conference tournament action tonight. The Ohio Valley Championship presented by United Fidelity Bank, Lindenwood, and Southeast Missouri State. Presbyterian and Campbell, first round of the Big South. And continuing later tonight, it looks like, oh, no, we got... Southern Indiana against SIU Edwardsville. And then that, as they say, is that. Scores from last night, conference tournament action, full night of college basketball as well. Last night in college basketball, you had Arkansas State beat Coastal Carolina 86-69 in the first round of the Sun Belt. In the Penn Fed Credit Union Patriot League Championship, American over Bucknell and an echo to American 64 to 59. Loyola, Maryland, 73 to 69 over Holy Cross. Horizon League Championship, first round last night. Robert Morris over IUPUI, 67 64. Wright State over Green Bay, 77 to 57. And Detroit Mercy over Purdue, Fort Wayne. 81-68, Antoine Davis closing in on the all-time scoring record in college basketball. 38 points last night. I believe he's about 25 points away. Quarterfinals in the A-Sun. Liberty over Bellarmine, 76-56. EKU over North Alabama, 73-48. Kennesaw State edges Queens, 67-66. And then Lipscomb over Stetson, 83-70. I believe that is all from last night in college basketball. Yep, looks like it is. How about Villanova beating Seton Hall and guaranteeing themselves at least a 500 record in Big East play first year in the post-Jay Wright era? Good for them. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I, Instagram, AlexFrankNet underscore and email at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Thanks for making us your first listen of every day. Back tomorrow with Caroline Fenton of Lockdown LSU right here on Lockdown America as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.